I'm put on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay. So for the last five uh, podcasts, I've been talking all about Onslaught. And today is the final day of Onslaught. I hope. It should be. It should be. I, we're, we're deaths today. The plan is to finish today. So um, I've been going card by card and just talking about different card stories. And so today I will start in S with Shared Triumph. So Shared Triumph is a white enchantment. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type. And then all creatures of that type get plus one, plus one. Um, so one of the things that's very interesting when we talk about doing tribal sets is um, there, there's two different things that we were trying to do with Onslaught. One was we were trying to make a set that for drafting purposes was tribal. You had to choose a tribe to care about, maybe multiple tribes to care about. But it was something where, you know, hey, do you want to care about goblins or elves or birds or soldiers or wizards? You know, what, what do you want to care about? And there are a bunch of different things you could care about. Um, the other thing that we wanted to do was we were trying to enable tribal casual play, meaning that we wanted this to be the set that said, hey, tribal's fun, go play tribes. Um, go, go play tribal magic. Um, but the thing was that it's possible that what people really enjoy might not be the tribes we've chosen. You know, in order to play limited, we have to pick a, a select number of tribes. Um, so one of the things that we were really trying to do in Onslaught was just enable in, in casual play, uh, and maybe possibly in competitive play, I, I, I think we thought more the ones we were supporting would be the ones that got to, got to competitive play. Um, but... In casual play, mostly, I guess, we wanted you to have the tools to be able to build your own tribal stuff. So there was a lot of things like Share Triumph in there, where it's like, hey, pick your tribe, and this will be, you know, let's say, for example, you really wanted to do a, um, I pick a tribe, you know, you wanted to have your goat tribal deck. Okay, you have some challenge with the goat tribal deck. But let's say you wanted to do it, and you take the few goats that exist in Magic. Share Triumph would allow you to, um, you know... Make all your goats get plus one, plus one. And so you, it, it would enable you better than we had in the past to try to make whatever tribal deck you wanted to make. Shepherd of Rot. 1B, 1-1, zombie cleric. Tap. Uh, each player uh, loses one life equal to the number of zombies. Okay, so this card is interesting in a couple different ways. Um, one is... Uh, something that we had done in Onslaught a little bit that I, you could, you could, here's me starting to goof around with it a little bit is remember that Mirrodin, which is the set after this set, was the first set to officially do race class. Um, and what had happened was in Odyssey, I began messing around with the idea of dual, of dual, sorry, before that, in Invasion actually. So in Invasion, I did this thing where we made some gold cards. There was a cycle of gold cards where I took two different tribes that were popular and then I would mix them together. So, like, uh, I'm trying to remember, like, you know, red is goblin and green is elves. It's a goblin elf. Or blue is merfolk and, uh, you know, uh, black is zombie. It's zombie merfolk. You know, that I, I would try, I did this thing where we, I was specifically crossing over and trying to make a fun gold card that just crossed things over. Now, some of them made sense. Some of them were a little, like, I, I do believe I made a goblin elf. Like, I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but uh, a little story for you to make up for yourself. Um, but anyway, so in Invasion, I started on that path. I really, I've always been fascinated by creature types. I think, you know, I was the one who pushed tribal because I really, I've always enjoyed creature types. I enjoyed making tribal decks, you know, and that, 
So I, in Invasion, I started messing around with sort of what if there was more than one. Because remember, when Alpha started, what Richard did in Alpha was there was one creature type per card. I, I've talked about this before. Like, Goblin King wasn't a goblin because he was a lord. Um, and so what happened was I started testing the waters in Invasion of having more than one. Then, in Odyssey, I started... Um, the Avon were all bird soldiers, and the Nantuko were all insect druids. So I started confessing, okay, well, this race of creatures are these warrior bird creatures. So all of them are always both bird and soldier. Um, and then in this set, I started a little more saying, okay, well, this card, for example, I go, oh, well, we, zombies is one of the races we care about. Cleric is one of the races we care about. Well, one of them make a deck both for zombies and for clerics. Um, so one of the things that we try to do that was kind of fun is... Um, when you do a tribal deck, it's neat to just, you know, hey, play goblins, 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 goblins are great, play more goblins, goblins, that's fun. But sometimes it's kind of fun to go, oh, well, you know, you know what the clerics like? The clerics like other clerics, but they also like, at least the black clerics, like zombies. The clerics raise the zombies. So I had this neat sort of thing that said, okay, um, here's a cleric. Now, he's also a zombie, so you got to count himself. Oh, another quick thing. Whenever you count things, one of the things we tend to do is make sure that the thing that you are counting, the thing that is counting things, is what is being counted. So, for example, this card in a vacuum, let's say you had no other zombies in your deck. Okay, well, this card still has tap everybody loses a life each turn because it's a zombie. That's a very common thing we do. Um, because if this card itself wasn't a zombie, it, it makes what we call an A-B situation, where in order to work, you have to have A and you have to have B, which just makes it a lot more complicated. I'm not saying we don't occasionally do A-B, but it's much, much nicer if the thing you care about is built in. That way, the card works by itself and doesn't have to have other cards. Um, the other thing that's going on here, obviously, this is during Onslaught, so it counts all zombies, not just your zombies. But this card is interesting in that it, everybody loses life. And the idea is that I am playing either zombies or clerics. Well, I'm playing zombies for sure because of this thing. But I might be playing mostly clerics. This card will work in a cleric deck. Um, and the idea essentially is, okay, I'm playing black. Odds are I'm going to be a little ahead of you. The idea is I'm going to be a little ahead of you on damage. And the reason that this, it's okay that everybody loses life is if I'm ahead of you on damage, then it's okay. You know, and black has drain effects and has ways in which to lower you and get me up. And so if I just have a few drain effects along with this, this will help me win. And this card, by the way, in limited was actually was quite good. Okay, shock. So shock is an instant for R for one red mana that did two damage to target creature or player. So shock is an interesting story because uh, in alpha, Richard made lightning bolt R deal three to target creature or player. Lightning bolt was much beloved and it was very powerful. And eventually we said, you know what? We just that can't be. One of the problems you have is if something is overpowered, especially at common. It warps everything around it. It's very hard to make a good direct damage spell when, like, Ardu 3 is there. It's just tough. That, you know, it makes every other direct damage spell at lower cost just look really sucky. So we're like, you know what? We need to pull back. We need to do do 2 damage. 2 damage is good enough. 2 damage will get played. Um, I think at the time we, we were under the impression that Lightning Bolt was gone forever. Uh, obviously it came back. So, I mean, Lightning Bolt is kind of over the line, but something that every once in a while I think we're, we're willing to entertain... Um, but anyway, we needed to have a new baseline. So this is tricky. When you make a new baseline, there's going to be resistance because it's, it's not like you were, we wanted the simplest version of the card and we, we wanted lightning bolt but two damage. 
Um, and so, like, there's no way in the world it's not going to look like a weaker lightning bolt. It just is a weaker lightning bolt. That's what it is. And so I said, okay, first off, we needed a really cool name. And we looked around, and we finally decided um, uh, on shock. Uh, one of the things that happens is with names is, in the early days, we weren't super careful. Uh, I mean, the early, early days. I mean, this, what's the card name? That, I don't think the people who named the cards even thought about, like, oh, we have, you know, 20-plus years of cards to name. No, it's like, what's a name? Good enough. That's a name. That fits it. Um, and there was no thought about sort of saving good names. And then... Uh, once I started getting involved in um, doing the creative, I, one of the things I really, really stressed was we need to save the good names. We have to stop, you know, wasting good names on unmemorable cards that we're never going to reprint. And that if you have a really good name, you want to put it on something that you think you're going to reprint, you know. And so I, I started getting in the, the, into the mindset of the idea of is this a card that's going to need, that's coming back and that needs to have a strong name. Okay, so I... I remember we, we bounced around a bunch of different names. I think Shock had come up with a name that we had thought of using a couple times. Like, no, no, let's save that. That's a really good name. Let's wait for a direct damage spell that we know is going to be reprintable. So when we got here, we're like, okay, Shock's a nice name. I shock you. It's it's simple, good verb. Um, and, you know, one of the things in general about naming is that um, instants and sorceries often want to sound good in verb form. They don't always have to be verbs but they sound best in verb form, usually they're verbs, because people want to say, I blank your, like, especially this, I wouldn't do drug damage to creatures, or, or my opponent. I blank the creature, I blank you. But you want something that sounds cool. I shock you, I shock your creature, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, and the next thing we did is, we talked about, you know, did we want to sort of slowly get to where we're going? Like, did we want to make a spell that's R2-2 with a little rider before doing R2 plane? And we're like, no. Let's just get there. We knew this was good enough. We knew that people would actually play our deal too. You know, in limited, it's amazing, and in constructed, it's still good enough that it's you know it sees play. Um, anyway, so we bit the bullet. We did it. Uh, the response at the time was definitely grumbly, um, meaning that one of the things we've learned is people never like strictly worses. Although magic does them all the time. I mean, alpha like alpha had strictly worses within alpha, like. Um, you have a uh, gray ogre at common, and then an uncommon, you have a uh, flying gray ogre, um, the rock, and then at rare, you had, I think, flying gray ogre with fire breathing, I think, or anyway, like, there's just strictly betters even in magic and in, in, in alpha, and it is the nature of a trading card game. We're just making lots and lots of different things. Things ebb and flow. Not every card is at the same power level, and you're going to make cards that, you know what? Yes, we've made a card that's strictly better than that. Um, people always gripe a little bit. Uh, the more high-profile the card you're making it worse than, uh, in some ways, the more grumbly they are. Although, usually, if people understand the card is too good, you just get... Uh, the audience goes, oh, okay. Like, when we made Time Warp, which was Time Walk, but cost it. Funny, still slightly too good. But um, in Tempest, you know, it was three UU instead of one U. And the response was, oh, okay, I get Time Walk back. Yeah, I knew Time Walk was crazy good. I will accept it at a lower cost. Um, a lot of people didn't realize at the time the Lady Bolt was too good. It was one of those changes, like, it's very, very easy to see, you know, way overcosted by multiple mana, maybe the thing's broken, uh, versus, well, it's good, gets played a lot, is that too good? You know, so. Okay, let's pick up the pace. I'm not picking up the pace. Next, Silvos Rogue Elemental. Three, green, green, green for an 8 5 Elemental Legend. He has Trample, and for green, he regenerates. So this is another one of the pit fighters. 
Uh, and he was just made to be a beast. He, uh, one of the things we did with the Legends is we just, we were trying early in Magic, uh, one of the big mistakes was creatures were just too weak. That when Richard had originally kind of figured it out, the, the balance between spells and creatures just, he was a little off. You know, Richard is an amazing designer. Richard, not as strong a developer as he is a designer. And really, there wasn't kind of like development like we have now. And so they were just a little bit off, not into the world, but uh, off enough that um, early Magic, you just didn't want to play creatures. They just weren't good enough to play, you know. And there were a few exceptions every once in a while. But really, like there's a period of time around when Legends came out. Now, it didn't help that there were things like the Abyss around. But we're like just playing creatures. You I actually had this little tiny green-blue weenie deck. And the reason I played it was it was considered, like, idiotic to play creatures. I'm like, damn it, I'm playing creatures. And so I played this little weenie rush deck. But I, I was like, you know, the Johnny in me was like, I'm playing the thing that no one says to play, you know. Um, because it really was, I mean, conventional wisdom, like, what are you doing with creatures in your deck? Creatures are just inefficient. We set out to change that. Part of what we were trying to do in Onslaught was just make some big, big creatures that were, you know, impressive. And that we were doing Legends, and so we really wanted to make the Legends something go, wow, that's impressive. That was Sylvus. Sylvus is like, I'm big, I'm bad, I'm mean, six mana, eight, five, trample, regenerate. You know, if I get on the board, you're going to have trouble dealing with me. Next, Skirk Commando, one RR, two one Goblin. If it deals combat damage to you, you get to do two damage to target a creature. And it has a morph of 2R. So this is the other common. I talked about the first one uh, that was a first striker. It was like a 3141 first striker. I talked about it earlier, earlier in the podcast. Uh, so the problem is that card you didn't want to block because it turned into a creature that was going to kill your creature. This creature you did want to block because if you didn't block it, it would hit you and then kill your creature. And so you were kind of just like damned if you did and damned if you didn't. Uh, and so that was one of the one of the early problems with morph was... You want to make sure you set up clean messaging. Like, one of the things that Eric Lauer did in Concept Arcade that brings Morph back, uh, and Brian Schneider did when Morph got brought back in um, Time Spiral. I believe that Eric took a lot of the inspiration of what he did from what Brian Schneider did, um, was to make sure there was clear messaging. So if you know what you're playing and what colors your opponent is in, that you have some logical ability to sort of make some guesses of what's going on. You don't know everything. There's some surprises, but there's some logical guesses you can make. Um, and you're not, like, flipping a coin. And playing against red, uh, you know, in common, uh, in Onslaught, was frustrating because you had two options that happened all the time that you were supposed to do the exact opposite things. Next, Kirk, Skirk Prospector. R for a 1-1 Goblin. Sack a Goblin at R. So this is one of those things where, uh, usually when I can play a card, especially for one mana... And I can turn some resource into mana with no restrictions, no mana, you know. Uh, that card's going to be good. In fact, this card is the kind of card that if your opponent plays this turn one, you should just get scared. It's like, oh, oh no, oh no, bad things are going to happen. Because uh, this, is, this enables... One of the things that happened with the Goblin deck is the Goblin deck became this combo deck where goblins just could do these crazy things, and that, like, out of the blue would just kill you all in one burst. And Skirk Prospector is one of the big uh, ones to blame for this, because it enables shenanigans. It is a shenanigan enabler. <laughs> that's, that's hard to say. It is a shenanigan... That should have been the name. Shenanigan enabler. Okay, next. Slate of Ancestry. Slate of Ancestry. Slate of Ancestry. Some hard words today. Uh, that's an artifact that costs four. 
For four, tap and discard your hand. Draw a card for each creature you have in play. Um, this was another card we built around to say, hey, build whatever, you know, build whatever tribal deck you want. This will work in any tribal deck. Now, it only works in tribal decks that you have a lot and a lot of creatures. Um, but if you have a deck where you're playing lots of little weenie creatures, for example, or lots of tokens or something, this, deck, this card is a lot of fun and really lets you uh, quickly refill your hand. The other neat thing about it is, if you're playing a weenie deck a lot of times, or not even just a weenie deck, but a, a deck with lots of creatures, a lot of times what happens is you empty your hand, and then you don't have a way to refill it. So this was trying to say, okay, you're playing tribal decks, you're going to empty your hand because you're going to play all these creatures, we got your back, we'll help you. Next, Smother, 1B Instant, destroy a creature with converted mana cost 3 or less. Um, so black has the ability to kill things, this is kind of a subset. Um, it's going after small things, but cheap things. Um, so it's funny, um, I'm going to talk about another spell coming up real soon. Uh, and this spell sort of goes after CMC. The only problem in general is, uh, so CMC stands for converted, converted mana cost. Uh, for those who don't know what that means is, let's say you have Hill Giant, which costs three colorless mana and a red for a 3-3. Three, three. Um, its mana cost is three and a red. Its converted mana cost is four. You need four mana to cast it. Uh, converted mana cost doesn't care about what colors or anything, just how much total mana does it need. Uh, and we use that from time to time to reference to do things. Uh, so this thing kills little things, things that cost three or less. Um, my only issue with it is converted mana cost has confused people. We tend to keep it out of common, not always, but we tend to keep it out of common just because it's terminology a lot of players don't know. Um, we have searched for other words. Uh, we search high and low. We, we, like, we love to get a word that someone just conveys what this is in a way that's shorter. Like, converted mana cost is long, but we've yet to find any terminology that is any clear, clear and changing, just for the sake of changing it seemed wrong, so we're still stuck with converted mana cost, or CMC, as we say. Um, I mean, black, by the way, because black is king of creature kill, it can do any subset of creature kill. Um, Smother is trying to say, okay, I can, take, I, can, I can handle cheap things. Because we had a lot of big, fun things, we're saying, okay, well, one of the ways we'll give you is something which... Um, you know, can't deal with everything, but can deal with early threats. And also it has, um... Oh, no, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. I was going to say something that's not true. Next is Sparksmith. 1R for 1-1 one, one goblin. Tap, X deal X damage to target creature where X is the number of goblins. Uh, this card was what made goblins broken and limited. Because this thing is re we call repeatable kill, and it is... It's, it's crazy. It's just really good. Like, it's bad enough. When you get a, a, a team out, you get a, a creature that can tap to do one damage... That's bad. That, that, that can shut a lot of things down. We've stopped doing that a common. That that card is problematic. Well, Sparksmith shuts everything down. It doesn't just shut down one toughness creatures. It shuts down creatures. And so it was just overboard. It, it's not that hard to get enough uh, goblins in play. You know, you pretty quickly get, you know, three goblins in play, and that kills most of the creatures your opponent's going to play. And even then, while they're not playing things, you're just playing more and more goblins, and eventually you can deal with anything. So anyway, a broken card. That, a mistake on our part. We, we, I mean, if we had done it, if we're going to do it, it should have been rare, and probably we should, we should have at least had a mana cost on the activation or something to, to help you out a little bit. Next, SWAT. 1BB instant. Destroy target creature with power 2 or less. Cycling 2. So this is... Uh, it's interesting that Smother and SWAT are in the same set. Uh, they're similar, um, and their names are similar. I would have made their names a little less similar. Um, they're both, you know, short S words that are verbs. Um, only because just remembering, like, I, uh, okay, SWAT is the two power or less, and Smother is the, for Manicus, they're a little close, I would like to separate them a little more, um, 
slide of something similar where it's going after small things. One of the things we were trying to do is we really wanted you to build up to get some bigger things. And so at Common, we tend to put some things that couldn't handle some of the bigger creatures to give you some answers but still allow us to make the bigger things. Um, this one is cycling just because late in the game sometimes it, it, you know, it, it becomes useless or it's not nearly as powerful. Okay, Symbiotic Beast. Four green green for a 4-4 four, four beast. When it dies, you get four 1-1 one, one insects. So this was actually a vertical cycle. There was Symbiotic Elf, which was a 3-G-2-2, two, two, and Symbiotic Worm, which was a 5-G-G, so 5 green green green, 8 mana, 7-7. Seven, seven. So the idea was you get a creature, a 2-2, two, two, a 4-4, four, 7-7, four, seven, seven, and when it dies, you get the equivalent in 1-1 one, one tokens. So it's the idea is you kind of have to kill it twice, and the second time it's harder to kill because it's broken up. Next, Siphon Soul, 2B Sorcery, 2 and a black Sorcery, do 2 damage to each player, and then you gain 2 life for, each, for all damage. Every damage you do, you, you gain life. So the idea is, it's you drain a player for 2, but it works in multiplayer. So if you're playing in a 8-person game, I can drain 7 other players, they each would lose 2, I would gain 14. So the goal of this card when we made it was to be a multiplayer card. Um, and the idea was, oh... Okay, 2B, drain 2. It's not, it's not particularly great, but eh, it's an okay card, whatever. We, we make bad cards all the time. Um, but in, in a multiplayer play, wow, it could be really good. Um, uh, and this card has definitely influenced a lot of multiplayer cards. In some ways, it might have given us some bad lessons because scalable effects of multiplayer can get very dangerous. Um, this particular one... Maybe it's okay. I mean, I guess it's problematic in really big multiplayer games, but um, it definitely led us down a path. We really, we had a, we were big fans of this card, and it, a lot of multiplayer cards that were kind of aimed at multiplayer were inspired by this card. This card definitely led us down the path of, of a certain thing, and we recently realized that part of the fun is, I mean, it's not that you can't have some scaling, but having scaling to the, like this card kind of sucks in two-player, and it's crazy good in an eight-player that maybe we want the variance to be a little, not quite as steep. Next, Tempting Worm. One and a green for a 5-5 five, five worm. A 5-5, five, five, what, two mana, 5-5 five, five worm. Why wouldn't you play that? But we, uh, when it enters the battlefield, each opponent can play any number of artifacts, creatures, enchantments, or land and put them on the battlefield. So this card says, okay, I get a 5-5 five, five for two mana, but... Whatever permanence you have in your hand, although not Planeswalkers, because Planeswalkers didn't. It's funny, this card doesn't actually let you do Planeswalkers, because we didn't say permanent, we spelled it out. That's another quirky thing about how magic works, is that sometimes in the past we would just say permanent, to be clear, and those now work on Planeswalkers. Sometimes we spelled it out, and not then they don't. So, this card happens to not work on Planeswalkers. But all non-Planeswalker permanents get to come in play. So, it's a risky, risky move. There's some fun things you can do. Um, sometimes you'll, you'll combine it with effects where you get a peek at your opponent's hand so you can see what they'll get if you do it. Next, Threaten. 2R Sorcery. Untap target creature, and you steal it for the turn. You gain control of it for the turn, and, then, and it gains haste. So originally, Blue had this ability. Uh, this card called Ray of Command in Legends, where you could, it was an instant, and you steal the creature from the turn and then get it back. Um, that was most often used actually defensively, where you would attack, I take your biggest creature, block your next biggest creature, and then I would prevent the damage of two creatures while killing two creatures. Usually, well, usually I would try to steal a creature and block a creature in which both creatures will kill each other. Um, ideally, if they're the biggest, that would be the best. 
Um, what we decided here was we wanted to make, we, we decided to move this building to red, the temporary steeling we were going to move to red. Uh, but since we really wanted to be aggressive and not defensive, we changed it to sorcery. Um, but I believe this is the first time Threaten shows up. This effect shows up in red. Um, and we, at the time, we had done a big discussion on color pipe. We had like, uh, we had this Tuesday meeting called the Magic Meeting. And for many, many weeks, we went through and talked about everything that every color could do. And we said, who has the most things? Who has the least? Who needs it? Red definitely needed some stuff. Blue needed to go down a little bit. And we decided, because red has sort of the trickery, the trickster aspect, that we ended up giving temporary um, the idea is red, you know, can manip- manipulate emotions, and it's not good long-term. Blue's the mind manipulation, but red can sort of like, you know what, I can sort of get you upset, or I can, I can feel your emotions for a little bit. I can get you act in my interest for a little bit, but not too long. Um, and threaten, I, I don't know if it was, a, it was a common here. We eventually decided that it's just something red could use, and we moved it down to common. So now it's a, an ability you often see in red common. True believer, white, white for 2-2 cleric, you can't be the target of spells or abilities. So, essentially, it gives you um, what we now will call a shroud. Um, uh, it's funny, this is pre-hexproof, although, I mean, I guess there are a few cards that are hexproof. Um, this was us messing around. Obviously, there was no... Uh, targeting wasn't keyboard yet, any of the, you know, shroud or hexproof. Um, but it, it just was kind of like, I play this guy. Um, he was definitely made for constructed. This, this card has uh, development written all over it. Um, development loves making WW22s. It's the kind of card that gets flash easy in a white weenie deck. Um, and this definitely was, was enabling, like, oh, there's some threats out there. Here's a nice clean answer to some of those threats. Um, and I don't know how this card got made, but it's the kind of card development uh, does or pushes. So I'm, that's my guess. Undead Gladiator um, is one black black, so three mana for a 3 1 zombie barbarian. Aha! dual uh, creature types again. Uh, for 1B, discard a card, uh, and you can return it from the graveyard. And, and you have to play that during your upkeep. And it is cycling 1B. So see what, we, see what we're doing here. So we decided we wanted to have a creature that you can get back. Black often has that. So it's just some you know, zombie that keeps coming back. You can't stop the zombies or the skeletons, whatever we do. Um, the undead, they keep coming back. And uh, so we want the idea, one of the ways we get the kind of the, the, the endless wave of undead is we get this creature that keeps coming back and it has that feel. Um, the clever thing this card is doing is it ties it into cycling. Why is cycling matter? Because it allows you to cycle the card early and later when you have the mana, you can get it back. So cycling this card has less cost than normal. Normally when you cycle a card, you're giving up the card. I mean, you're you're not going, get, going down card advantage because you're drawing a card, but you're giving up access to the card. And this card says, nope, you're not even doing that. So feel free to cycle me in the first time because you can just get me back through the way I work. Um, I believe this, this seems like the kind of card I made. I think I made this card. It's just my, uh, the, the, the Johnny in me that says, woohoo. Okay, next is Vizara the Dreadful. So she costs six mana, three and three black, so three black, 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 uh, five, five, Gorgon Legend. Um, and she is flying, and you tap to destroy a creature, and that creature can't regenerate. Um, that, that ability used to be called Barry. For a while, um, in Alpha, Richard made Terror, which said destroy target creature, it can't be regenerated. And for a while, that was the default, so much so that eventually we made a word for it called Barry which meant destroy creature can't be regenerated. Uh, and then we decided that, you know what, we were, we were unnecessarily hosing regeneration really for no reason. 
why, like the whole point of regeneration is to survive things like terror effects, right? It's survive, you know, creature killing. And so we stopped doing, um, on most cars, we stopped doing the anti-regeneration rider. And so Barry went away. There's people who love Barry that even to today bug me. Like, why do I use Barry anymore? I'm like, we don't even use the can't be regenerated clause, which is what Barry is. So, um, anyway, Vasara was another uh, of the pit fighters, and uh, she is mighty, mighty good because she's a five-five flyer that can destroy creatures every turn. So we 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 joked that she was the flying abyss. Um, so abyss is a card from Legends that is an enchant world, which means that it goes away if another enchant world comes in play. But essentially, it's an enchantment. Uh, and it says, at the beginning of every turn, um, each player must sacrifice a creature. And so what it does, it just kills all the creatures one by one. Um, Vasara is like an abyss, except um, it just kills... Your, you get to choose what dies. Um, and uh, I, also, I think abyss affects both people, where Vasara does not affect you. You will not kill your own creatures. You will kill their creatures. And once their creatures are dead, or once the threats are dead, then you get to fly across for five every turn. Um, so I'm pretty sure uh, Osip, I talked about him winning uh, PT Venice, which was um, the onslaught uh, block constructed. I think he had Vizara. Vizara showed up a lot in that top eight. Vizara was some good. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, this was a very a big fan favorite. People really like... I think whenever we do like, le- you know, vote for your favorite legend of all time, Vizara always makes like top eight. You know, it's one of the most popular. People really like Vasara. I mean, she's crazy good, so. Surprise, surprise. Okay, next. Void Mage Prodigy. Blue, blue for a 2-1 wizard. For blue, blue, sack a wizard. Counter target spell. So, anyone knows Void Mage Prodigy was the winning card from Kai Buddha when he won the Invitational in Cape Town. Um, so, uh, Kai wins. His original card, we, we had to tweak it a little bit. Um... It was, it was something similar. It was something where you could... A creature that you could sacrifice to counter spells. Um, now, the idea of this thing was, you know, this was a UU2-1 sack itself to, to counter. Um, and Wizards was tribal, something we were supporting. So we were trying to make a card that might be, you know, might be good. And then, in development, development realized that blue was causing problems, so they nerfed the Wizards. Uh, and, um, well... Uh, this card, I mean, it, this card is good, but what happened was, it was the only good wizard card in a world in which all the wizards were nerfed. And so this card was good, but blue was just not that good to play right then, and wizards in particular weren't that good to play, so this is the kind of card that I, I think will show up um, when people have access to whatever wizards they want to play, and there's really good wizards. Um, so the card is actually really good, but it, it never really quite got the showing in standard uh, that a lot of other um, imitational cards... The other thing about this card is Kai Buddha did appear in the art. Um, we ended up doing a promotional version of the card where we redid the art. Uh, the, 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 we thought this one didn't look enough like Kai, and so we redid it a little bit, make it a little, look, look more like Kai. Um, but anyway, a, a lot of people, by the way, the nickname for this card is Kai, because it's Kai's invitational card. Finally, my final card, and then I'm done. Words of War. So Words of War was an enchantment for two and a red, and then for one mana... Uh, the next time you would draw a card, instead, um, you got to shock something. You got to do two damage to something. Um, and this was a cycle. So it was words... Let's see. Uh, the white one was words of worship. The blue one was words of wind. The black one was words of waste. The red one was words of war. And the um, green one was words of wilding. So some fun naming. Um, 
And the idea was each one of these was an enchantment where you could pay one mana and you could give up your future draw to have an effect. So essentially the idea was for one mana, um, like I could, I could make my next spell, instead of getting that card, I guarantee that I get a card and that card at this moment costs one and does this thing. Um, this is one of those cycles that never quite worked out. I, I think development ended up sort of um, pulling back a little bit just because... Uh, there's repetition of game issues. Like, if every turn I can just do something and never draw, and all I'm doing is doing this thing, then the game comes to kind of boring. So it's one of those cycles. It's probably a design flaw in that. Sometimes design makes things that development, when they go to develop, it goes, yeah, there's really no way to push this without making something that's probably not going to be all that much fun. So uh, I think this, this cycle ended up being more of a, ended up being more of a limited thing than a constructed thing because development didn't want to push it for constructed. Because I don't think any of these guys are playing constructed. Someone will write in and goes, uh, there's the following deck that was uh, made use of uh, Worlds of War. Anyway, that, my friends, is the final card from Onslaught that I'm going to talk about, at least. Um, so the last six uh, podcasts, I think it's been six, uh, I've talked all about Onslaught, and I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Um, my little wrap-up on Onslaught is as follows. Uh, I think it was a very interesting set. We definitely explored some stuff we hadn't done before. Um, we really sort of committed to Tribal for the first time, which paid off in spades. Um, uh, Morph, we introduced Morph, which really sort of opened the book and sort of made us open our minds a little bit about how crazy we could do it. It's the first time we really did something that was really like, wow, that's, that's really, I mean, I guess we did split cards, but I mean, it was furthering us of kind of doing things that were a little more off the beaten track, that we were getting a little more comfortable with kind of shocking the audience and just doing things that people didn't think we might do, um... Uh, we brought back cycling, so we really started committed to the idea of that we could just bring back named mechanics. That's just something that magic can and should be doing. Um, so I think Onslaught was really... The, it's interesting, as you look historically, like, it really started a bunch of different things. It really ended up being a pretty important set. And so, um, anyway, I was, I was uh, glad to talk about it, and it was fun being involved with it, and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed hearing all about Onslaught. So the next time I do one of my design podcasts, it won't be for a little bit, um, I will, of course, be doing Legions, the all-creature set, and I'll talk about how that happened. But anyway, I've now parked my car, which means this is the end of my drive to work. So thanks, guys, for listening. I'll talk to you next time.